Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Want to welcome Newcastle, Meadville, our online church. We love you guys so much. Cranberry, would you give them a welcome? Come on, man. We love you all so much. One church, multiple locations. Uh, we're talking uh, today in the next uh, three weeks on hearing God's voice. Now, there are voices that are distinct to all of us. Like, like this voice, most of you might remember from a very important movie that you should all watch. But if you don't, there's uh, something wrong with you. But that's, just, don't, just watch it on television, the other version, that's okay. But there are voices you recognize, right? Wouldn't it be great if you knew how to hear God's voice? Because that's really his intent for all of us. Now, what we're going to do is to take you into four pillars of hearing God's voice, one each week. And, and they, they, they literally come together to give you the full picture, listen now, and the ability and the capacity as a child of God to actually hear his voice. And I want to help you to see how this can be done in every Christian's life, whether you've been a Christian for an hour or for 50 years. Remember this about walking with God. You don't become more of his child because you've known him longer. You're his the moment you give yourself to him and you, get, you have the same rights and privileges of anyone else. Say it out loud. I never earn God. I'm telling you, you'll see in just a few moments, that's one of the greatest traps as to why people's ears will not be open to his voice. They're trying to earn it and I want to help you with that. Now, I have a pet peeve when I go to a restaurant and it's rarely the food because I grew up with four brothers and I'll eat anything. But it's the tables. If you ever sat at the table... And it's imbalanced. And I mean, you put your arm down, bam, and then bam. And, and so my wife is not as neurotic as I am. And so I'll be, oh, I've got to fix this. She said, just, just, just eat. And I said, no. I, I, so I go to work for the restaurant and fix the table. And I'll find, can I have a napkin? Just a few. Not enough. Can I have a couple more? She's like, can you sit down and just eat? I go, no, I can't. I got the issue. Anybody got the issues? No, then you're married to someone with the issues. You say, no, no, not then, certainly, then you're the one with the issues. If you don't know it, you got it usually. If you have, if, if, no one's crazy in my house. You're the crazy usually. It's okay. But aren't you glad God loves crazy people like us? All right, man, he loves you, he loves you. He's good, he's good, he's good. Now, here's the deal about the four pillars of hearing God's voice. Is that if you don't put all four of them in place, it will be imbalanced. If you don't know the primary or the foundational pillar, you're not going to know how to hear his voice. It is not a mystery. And that's what I want to help you to step into today. Here are the four pillars. And we're going to start this week on the foundational pillar, and it's the word of God. That's the first pillar of hearing God's voice. The second is the wisdom of God. The third is the people of God. And the fourth is the spirit of God. And we'll get into that in the weeks to come. But I want to focus today on the primary pillar, if you will, the foundational pillar that all the rest rest upon, the word of God. And so the first point is very simple. It's God's will that you know God's will. Let me say that again. I, I know that's profound. Say it out loud. All the campuses, he's deeply profound. <laughs> I, I, I didn't believe you either. It's okay. How about this? God is deeply profound. Boy, that was pretty bad too. That's okay. I don't feel bad if you wouldn't do it for God. It's all right. We're good. Listen, it's God's will that you, that, that it is God's will that you know his will. It is God's will that you hear his voice. The apostle Paul, when he prayed over the church at Colossae, I want you to listen to a part of that prayer. In Colossians 1 verse 9, it says this, Paul's writing and he said, for this reason, 
we have always prayed for you. Ever since we've heard about you, we ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, with all wisdom and understanding that his spirit gives. Actually, in this one verse, you see three of the four pillars. Actually, you see all four when you understand that Paul was praying for them. But I want you to understand that he said, I want you filled with the knowledge of his will. Say out loud, filled. Now, knowing God's will should not be a mystery to a Christian, but it is. If there's any question that I've been asked over these almost 40 years of being in ministry more consistently than any other is, how do I know God's will for my life? I just don't, I mean, how do you find that out? I hear people say, the Lord spoke to me. And I'm like, really? How's he do that to you? And it can be very vague to you. I want this series to help you to truly understand, listen, how to hear his voice. What if it's true that the God of all creation so intimately loves you, that he truly wants you to understand his voice in every arena of your life? So, so critically important. And see, it isn't just he said, I want you to know my will. I want you to be filled with the knowledge of my will, with the ability to apply it in your life with the help of the Holy Spirit. It isn't just a religious exercise. It's a day-to-day lifestyle. Now, remember this about your heavenly father. You don't have to extract his will out of him like he's hiding it. See, religion has made us so hesitant to come to God boldly. Religion, which is typically our way of trying to make ourselves right with God, you fill in the blank how you think you need to do that. But religion makes you feel like if I had a great day, God's more apt to help me. If I had a lousy day, yeah, he's, he's just, he's ticked. I want to help you to understand your heavenly father. Desires you to be filled with the knowledge of his will. Without it, you will live in the dark. And Jesus didn't die to keep you in the dark. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And light, act over and over again in the Bible, refers to getting direction from God. So here's the thing I want to ask. The, the why of, of why God wants you to know his will is critical. Until you understand the why in the heart of God of why he wants you to hear his voice, you'll miss this by a thousand miles. It's why understanding and believing God's love is so critically important. It's why you'll hear us say 10,000 times in this church at all of our campuses that this church exists to help all people. Say it out loud, all people. Love God, hate God. All people realize God loves them unconditionally. Why? Because when you realize you're loved, it's the natural inclination. And I don't mean imperfect love like we can and do have as humans, but the love of God. God does not possess love. He is love. If you believed he loved you, it would be the natural inclination for you to expect him to speak to you and not give you the silent treatment. And if you know anything about loving your children, you you actually are more focused on your children when they're hurting than when they're having a good day. God's just the same. In fact, religion has made us believe we have a higher degree of love for our children than the father has for his. Religion's cruel and it didn't come from heaven. It's straight from the pit of hell. You say, what do you mean by religion? I mean, when human beings make up rules and and hoops, that somehow if you keep the rules, jump through the hoops, God looks at you and says, yeah, I like you now. Miss that hoop. Get away from me. That's the lie of religion. And it is the absolute lie of the heart of your father. Now, the primary way you're going to hear God's voice, not the only way, but the primary way is his word. The primary way is his word. But if you don't understand that when it comes to hearing God's voice and knowing his will, there are two aspects to the will of God. 
And the one today we're going to look at, the word of God, is the first one. It is the general revealed will of God. In, in the scripture, God's word is revealed and God's word is his will. Therefore, when you see what God says in his word, it's the same for everybody. The scripture doesn't have favorites, it's just for everybody. This is the general revealed will of God. That's the first aspect of it. The second is the specific will of God. That's where the other three pillars come in place. The people of God, the spirit of God, and the wisdom of God. But they never contradict each other. They always are congruent. Now, we're not going to get to the specific will of God today, but what do I mean by that? You can't open your Bible and find out the person to whom you're to marry. But you can open this Bible and find out the kind of person you should marry. That is the same for everybody. Which means you shouldn't be praying about somebody he tells you not to date. Yeah, but the Lord told me. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Because Listen, a lot of fellas get what they call the girl religion. You know what girl religion is? Enough religion to get the girl. Yeah, that's another subject for a whole other day. You're not going to open this Bible and find out the unique purpose for your life and your vocation. I should go to college or I should develop for the, or I should. You're not going to find that in this book. You're not going to be able to open this book and say, should I take that job in that other city? Should I move to Cleveland and take that job? <sighs> Actually, that would be the specific will of God. God wouldn't send anybody to Cleveland. Can you imagine such a thing? A good God sending someone to Cleveland, Ohio, where the, where the Cleveland Browns are. It's frightening. Oh, I shudder the thought. Now, nah, he might send you there as a missionary or something, but here's the thing. So I'm from Cleveland, I'm offended. Yeah, you're not there either, are you? Just a thought, if you, if you consider thinking at all. Uh, so let's get to the, the, the point today. The general reveal will of God, which is the word of God. Now, the general reveal will of God, if you truly have what it says, you don't need any other pillar, because that's the foundation. It's where things are specific that you need the other three. So let me help you with this. Years ago, and this has happened actually, I think, three or four times. You think you'd remember things this crazy in specific, but at least three or four times in these years where uh, a, a woman would come and say, hey, pray for me. I'm trusting God to get married. And that's a biblical thing. It's biblical for a man. Now, you do know the Bible says to a man, whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor with the Lord. But it never says that about a woman. How come? The Bible calls it in the book of Revelation, the martyr's crown. It's okay. Your, your rewards are coming. Look, there's two sides of the image of God, male and female. God just gave us the better half of finding you. What did he give you when he found your husband? I think some would call that a cross to bear, but that's another subject. For another day, we'll get there. But no, here's the reality I want you to really, really see. This person, precious, I mean, confused and said, and that's fine. And then they said this. <laughs> I want her husband. Uh, who's? That lady, she, I, I, God told me I'm supposed to have him, but he's married to her. Yeah, he didn't tell you that. How many of you know you don't need to pray about committing adultery or murder? Unless he's going to be a polygamist, you're going to have to wipe that woman out. So that's a big piece of crazy. You say, well, why are you illustrating it in the extreme? Because sometimes in the extreme you can see how silly things are. 
And so in, in this precious person's mind, they couldn't accept the fact of what God says about relationships. They decided, I want what I want, therefore God must want to give it to me, which is not uncommon in today's world. It is not uncommon at all for people to say, if I want it, God wants me happy, therefore it's the will of God. That is a lie. I'll try that in English. That is a lie. I want to help you today. I want to help you. So listen to what Psalm 119, 105 says. By your word, I can see where I'm going. Your word throws a beam of light on my dark path. If you live in the world I live in, it's ever darkening. And he said, my word will be a literal beam of light to the darkness in your life. That's why knowing God's word is so critical in your life. It's why having a devotional life is so critical. It's why being in a small group is so critical. It's why coming to church regularly is, is so critical. It's critical. Because if you don't know the word, you don't hear the voice. So often people don't know anything about what God said in his word, and they try to find it out through other means. And some of them are kind of crazy. They'll go to some of the Old Testament means to find God's voice. And they'll put something before God. The Bible, the Old Testament, called to the fleece. They'll be sitting and they'll say, Lord, if you want me to move to Cleveland, let a red car come by in two minutes. What if some kid was just driving a red car and you're stuck in Cleveland the rest of your life? <laughs> you're going to find out God doesn't lead you externally in the new covenant because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Oh, I want to help you to hear his voice. It's so important. So I'm from Cleveland and I'm leaving. We're just teasing. God loves everybody in Cleveland. Hates the city and the team, football team, but loves the people. Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, here's the second thing. God's word is God's will. Say it out loud. God's word, God's word. is God's will. You could say it this way. God's word is God's voice. It's his voice. If you hear the word of God, listen now, you're hearing the voice of God. How do I recognize the voice of God in my life? How do I know I'm hearing the voice of God in my life if it's in this book? Now, is it any wonder that knowing God's will is, is hearing his voice, is God literally speaking to man by, by what he put together, if you will, in scripture for us through divine inspiration, the scripture said. But isn't it something that this is what's attacked? If you told somebody you believe this book cover to cover and that it's truth, not a truth, but the truth, they'd say, well, you're just pitifully uneducated. Bless your heart. That's, an, that's where my wife grew up in the South. When they say bless your heart, that means you're stupid. I thought it was a nice thing. Bless your heart. It means you're stupid. Well, bless your heart. You believe, you believe the myth. Now, here's the thing is that there is an enemy to human beings and it's not other people. There are only two kingdoms. One, Jesus said, seeks to steal, to kill, and destroy. The other, Jesus said, is the kingdom of God, which he said, I want to give you life and life abundantly. Out of that kingdom, he said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but through me, the world might have life. But Satan and his kingdom, you see, I'm too educated to believe in Satan. Jesus spoke very directly about him, had interactions with him. And I don't know about you, I don't, maybe, but I'm very educated. I don't think more than God. That's a delusion. So, well, well, I just think that's absurd. You'll be dead soon enough. I don't mean he's going to kill you. Don't miss that, all right? We're going to all be dead soon enough. You'll stand before a holy living God, and all the opinions of human beings, mine included, will melt. A wise person humbles themselves under the mighty hand of God now. This is a supernatural book. 
I wish I had time to give you the things that prove the validity of this book. It's almost mathematically impossible for it not to be true. Just the fact that 300 prophetic statements in the entire Old Testament spoken about Jesus over a 1,500-year period from men, women, different cultures, different languages, all of them pointed to one man from the time of his birth, to where he would be born, to how he would die, the city he would be born, the city he would be raised in. It was to the manner of his death in specific. And one man fulfilled it in 33 years. There is one in whatever power does not exist. That kind of evidence should be investigated. Can I encourage you, don't submit your eternal life to people with opinions formed in the dark. They're not bad people. They're just in the dark. Jesus said it this way, the blind lead the blind, they both fall in the ditch. And it's not people. If the enemy of your soul can convince you that the, the words of God are invalid, and by the way, it's, it's been his tactic from the beginning, then you will live in this life without the capacity to ever hear his voice. What a tragic thing to have happen. And I just want to help you not to have that happen in your life. God's word is his will. Matthew 4, 4, listen to what Jesus said. This is when he was being tempted by Satan himself. Jesus answered, it is written, he's quoting scripture. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus, when he was under the attack of Satan, and if you know the, when he went into the wilderness and Satan uh, attacked him in every realm of life and those, those three temptations, and two of them, Satan actually quotes scripture to Jesus. Jesus didn't have a conversation with him. He just spoke what God said. What do you, you mean the son of God on the earth took God's word into battle and that's how he won? Yes. But I find it so interesting, the same thing Satan attempted to do to Jesus he did to the first Adam. Jesus is called the last Adam. And he tries to do to you today. The first lie of the enemy of your soul in the Bible is when he spoke to man in the book of beginnings and he said this. Did God really say that? Do you really? Th God re It's not true what he said. And they believe the lie. It's exactly what he tried to do to Jesus. And that's exactly what he'll try to do to every living human being, whether they love God or hate him. Because he hates human beings. Because you're made in the image of God. God is not your enemy. He is your redeemer. The enemy of your soul seeks to kill, to steal, and destroy. And when you know God's word, you know his voice. And you literally know his, if you will, you've heard his voice and his will. And what he says about the healing of your body. What he says literally in scripture about wisdom. What, what, what will, will he give me wisdom? You know he has things to say about character, about marriage, about how you live in your marriage. Anxiety, depression, money. God, had, listen, God's will in his word covers every area of human life. God loves us so intimately, Jesus said he has numbered the hairs on your head. But religion makes God seem opaque and distant. But he wants to speak intimately into every corner of my life and yours. To give you life and life abundantly. That you might hear his voice. Remember this. God and his word are one. God and his word are one. In the book of John, speaking about Jesus, it says this in verse 1 and then I'll read verse 14 to you. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word 
was God. The word became human or flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen the, his glory, the glory of the one and only God in flesh, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Say grace and truth. See, everything God says is, is truth. Everything. But I'm so glad he didn't say Jesus was just full of truth because now I'm lost because I can't meet all the truth that's, that, that is in God. God doesn't possess truth. He is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the, I am the truth. I am the truth, not a truth. I am not an opinion. If you're going to serve God, it's critically important that you understand what God says in his word isn't God's opinion to be considered. It's a truth that you embrace, humble yourself, and act upon. God is truth in every, every other view, and by the way, every other feeling, according to what he says, is a lie. We live in a time today when most people say, well, I don't believe in a God like that. Can I suggest to you that everybody has a God they serve? Everybody has a God they formed in their own mind. God made man in his image, and most men and women have returned the favor and made one in theirs. This is my God. He lets this. He likes that. He doesn't, he doesn't care about that. They make up their own God. But in a few short years, you will stand before a holy God of which he said in his word, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. What does he mean by that? To fear, make me afraid. No, no, no. That without redemption, you will pay the debt of your own sin. And that's a fearful thing. But God so loved you that he paid the debt for you in sending his son. But I get to choose what I do with that fact. I get to choose what I do with that truth. We live in a world today where feelings are people's gods. I feel, therefore I am. And it is so pervasive that people are so broken and confused. And I mean that sincerely, broken and confused and in the dark. That some of the most insane things are being just perpetrated as normal and healthy. And they're not. And they're not. And that's not against people. That's how wicked Satan and his kingdom is to, to destroy human beings with such difficulty and to make their feelings their God. Your feelings will pass away someday. Your views will pass away. I don't even like the term, do you have a biblical worldview? I, I know what people mean by that. I'd rather you not have a biblical worldview. I'd rather you have God's view of the world he loved that you find in the Bible. I think it's a better way to say it. Because biblical worldview seems like this third party that doesn't exist. It's a book. What is in this book is the heart of God for humanity. And he speaks to the, to the literal heart of heaven for you and for me. That's why he says this in Romans 12 verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God or permit God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now listen, then you will learn, say out loud, learn. Then you're going to learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Listen to what he said. If you are going to find the way you think and live by the image and customs of this world, you will never be transformed by the power of God into who he's called you to be. And you will never know his will. Listen now. Listen now about his will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect for you. 
Remember this, God would lead you nowhere that love wouldn't lead you. God will lead you nowhere that love won't lead you. And so many of us have been, have been so hurt in life that we really don't even understand that kind of love. And I pray that God mends that wound of your heart so that you can receive the Father's love. I want to talk to you now specifically about hearing God's voice in everyday life about the issues of life. Listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy, who was a pastor, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'll read verse 16 and 17. He said, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instructions for godly living so that the person who serves God, this is really important, the one who wants to serve God, for the person who serves God, they can be fully qualified and equipped to do every kind of good deed. I want you to see that you can't serve God and reject his word. I serve the Lord, but what about what his word says? Well, you know, that's just not for me. God and his word are one. If I reject his word, I reject him. If I reject him, I reject his word. They're one. Notice that he said, here's what God's word will teach you. Every scripture inspired by God, here's what he said, it will teach you the truth. We live in a world that is so full of deception that it's so easy to be blinded. He said, when you walk with me and let my word have a place in your heart, it will teach you the truth. It will rebuke errors in your life. See, you hear that religiously, God's against me. No, 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 he's trying to prevent pain. Trying to prevent you walking in a path he didn't call you to walk in. He said, literally, it will correct your faults and it will give you instructions on how to live a godly lifestyle. That's what he does in every day. That's what the word of God, if you put it in your life on a daily basis, will do for you. Anybody married? Okay, if you're afraid, it's, I'm not, I'm, there's not a test. <laughs> Marriage is the test. But, uh, no, I don't know how I said that, but it is, it can be. But here's the thing, here's the thing. If you're going to get in God's word, you know what he's going to do in your marriage? He's going to tell you the truth. He's going to tell you how to be a husband or a wife, and he's not going to ask you how you feel. He's going to rebuke errors, correct faults, and he's give you instruction on how to be a good husband or a good wife. Now, it's really important that you understand that's God's heart. Now, if God doesn't do it, my wife does it. No, you say, what do you mean by that? I get a text sometimes from Michelle, and I think it's going to be, hey, honey, I love you, and it's, listen to this and watch it, and it's Jimmy Evans. She sends me links by Jim. Listen to this. You know, can I tell you what the word of God Jimmy Evans does? Jimmy Evans teaches about marriage. He, you want to know what he does? He, tell, he teaches me the truth. He's rebuking errors, correcting faults, and giving me instruction. He said, you enjoy it. The Bible said when you get corrected, no one enjoys it at the moment, but at the end of it, it will bear great fruit in your life if you know the Father loves you. Thirdly and lastly, this, God's will is only good. God's will is only good. God doesn't do crazy, wicked things to teach you any more than you would as a parent. If you put your child in a car accident to teach them a lesson, we put you in prison. Christians call it sovereignty. It's crazy the things people accuse God of. God's will is only good. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 13. He said this, the Lord wants you to obey his commands and laws I'm giving you today. Now listen, for your good only. 
There's not one word from God that isn't for your good only. None of it's about him. How many of you know he didn't need to rescue himself? He, needed, he rescued us because of his love. If you ever tried when your kids, even when they're younger, when they're older, to try to give them instruction for their good and they reject it? Anybody ever parent? It will devastate you ultimately if they reject what you're trying to do to spare them. God said, every word I give you, every instruction I give you is not to limit you, is not to tell you you're horrible, is not to put you in some religious chain, but I'm doing this because I love you for your good only. I have to be honest with you. When my dad used to say, I'm doing this for your good, it never felt that way. But can I help you understand that the father, in fact, the scripture said, whom the Lord loves, he corrects. In fact, the Bible says if you don't correct your child, you actually hate them. What does that mean? It means in thinking you're good, you're actually harming. So very important. God's will is only good. Now let's bring this to a very clear application that sounds like it's a rough way to end a message, but it isn't if you'll listen. I'm about to say some things that may make some people literally get up and leave. The Bible says a fool answers a matter before he hears it. So at least hear it long enough before you draw a conclusion because you don't know what I'm going to say. You may only hear what I've said. So stick around, at least to the end. Then draw whatever conclusion you want. Attract any, either kingdom, one or the other that you choose. That's between you and God. But I want to talk to you how to apply God's word or will in actual issues of the day. How do we take God's voice into the issues of human sexuality of our day? See, with a little bit of time left, you're going to cover that? Yeah. Because it's not difficult. If you trust his voice, if you have to be convinced to trust his voice, then it's forever difficult. Here's what I want to help you to see today. When God gives direction about sexuality, it's not because he's disgusted by the way someone is having a sexual relationship or somebody does what with their gender. He is, it isn't arbitrary. It's because of his love, and you'll see why. Let me read to you what precedes this list. Here's what God actually said in Leviticus 18, 24. He said, do not defile yourselves in any of these ways. I'll read them to you in a moment. Because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Virtually every empire in human history, and I mean, there are very, to my knowledge, and I'm not, a, I'm not a, 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 if you will, I don't have a PhD in history, but I've studied enough that every major world culture that has ever survived or lived and thrived as an empire rotted from within and always was attached to sexual behavior that God forbade. It isn't about how somebody chooses to love or to find pleasure. It's about what God created in you sexually to bring the best in you, through you, and to you. Now, let me, let me just read the list. God commanded them. He said, these are the things that have defiled nations. And it's defiling ours today because the list, I could, there's so many more things I could add to this. But this isn't about trying to point to anybody. And I'll be very clear about that in a minute. He said, do not have sexual relations with the following people. Your mother, your father, your father's wife, your sister or brother, your child, your grandchildren, your aunt or uncle, your son or daughter-in-law, your brother or sister-in-law, 
a mother and her daughter. That's kind of popular, I understand, in some places, but it is. People feel, I'm free sexually. Just because you call yourself free, when you're sitting in a prison, you're not. Because the one who tells you you're free has an outcome that isn't in your interest. He also said, having sex with someone of the same sex is defiling you. Being with an animal, it's in the Bible. Listen to what he said in Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. A woman must not wear a man's clothing, nor a man wear a woman's clothing. This kind of thing is an abomination to God, your God, your God. Why in the world do you care what I wear? Really? Really? The God of the universe cares if I wear? Come on. I mean, this is Pride Month. How do you deal with that as a Christian? One of two ways. You can see the people that are trapped in the dark and despise them. Or you can go behind the curtain and look at the one who keeps them in the dark and seeks to steal, kill, and destroy human life and rescue. And know that the only difference between you and they is that you've been redeemed and rescued out of the very same place. I didn't get out of the darkness I was in on my own. I was rescued by the mercy and kindness of God. The only difference between me and anybody is Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. No self-righteousness exists in human beings. None, absolutely none. So why is this an abomination to God? Why would these sexual practices, why would issues of men becoming women, women becoming men, why is that, God calls it, that's a strong word, an abomination. You see, you think he's talking about the person. He's not. He's talking about the value of the person. Why? Because every human being is made in the image of God. Every human being is made in the image of God. Not everybody is a child of God, but everyone is made in his image. And the enemy of your soul wants to distort that image through sexuality. And it is the most powerful tool throughout human history that is used to defile human beings. And all of this list, most of it's heterosexual behavior. But homosexual behavior is included as well. Why? What's the big deal, God? It's just sex. No, 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 no. You are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. And he loves you. Very, very important to get this. Everywhere man is broken. Everyone say everywhere. Everywhere man is broken, God seeks to love that person and redeem them. And so should we. And so should we. There is no us and them. There's only rescued and not. There's only have found the redemption and the mercy of a savior and haven't. And the only way they can find redemption is if you tell them. And if they become your enemy, whoever they is, you have laid down the very purpose of your life as a Christian under the name of righteous indignation. Or I just, this, they, they make me sick. Well, I make people sick. Without Jesus, I am lost and undone and, and irredeemable for eternity only by the mercy of a Savior. And the only hope of the world is that we don't get caught up in making people our enemies and making people the object of our derision. Every person is a mission field to bring the mercy of a God who rescues do you saying then God just is going to change everyone's behavior so he can stomach them? Just the opposite. God isn't interested in redeeming someone to change their behavior. He's interested in redeeming someone because he loves them and he wants them to walk in his, 
image and he wants to make them whole sexually. And that takes, that's a process. Now here's, here's the bottom line. God's will is only good. I want to read a scripture to you that I hope will help you to put this in perspective. Now, is this black and white? Yes, it is. Because God is not subjective. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. I, I just have a, a different, you know, I was taught and bless you. Hold whatever view you want. But there aren't 66 kingdoms. There's only two. And the two views come out of two kingdoms. One will seek to steal, kill, and destroy you. The other will give you life and life abundantly. The reason, and I started with this and I'll end with this. The reason most dear people cannot incline their ear to hear God's voice is they don't believe it, that he's good. They don't believe that he cares. They think they have to earn him. They think they have to work. Let me read you Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Don't you see how wonderful, how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see and don't you realize that his kindness and his goodness is what leads you to repentance? Repentance doesn't mean forgiveness of sin. Here's what repentance means. I'm going this way, and now I'm going this way. God said the only thing that will turn you from the path that you're on, that the scripture said is dark and only his, the light of his word will, will illuminate. He said, until you know of my kindness and my goodness. That's why 10,000 times over, I will tell you the father loves you. No matter if you think you hate him, he loves you more than you can fathom. You can curse his name till the day you die. It won't change how much he loves you. You can die in your sin and die in that lost condition and bear the fruit of that decision. And yet he will love you, but he will respect your choice. There's only one thing that will change the direction of my life and yours. There's only one thing that will change somebody's direction to come to a savior is that he said, when you know the goodness of God, it leads you to turn because he's good and he's kind. He's benevolent. He's merciful. Aren't you glad that his mercy endures forever? Aren't you glad that he's not just truth, but he's also full of grace? Aren't you glad that a savior came and paid the debt you couldn't pay? I want to pray for everybody under the sound of my voice, whether you're here at the Cranberry campus or you're one of the other campuses or online. I want to pray for everyone who already calls themselves a Christian that will see the truths that I just shared with you today and begin to let God's word define the way you think and be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can know his will. I want to pray for you. And then I want to give an opportunity for every person under the sound of my voice to give their life to the Savior, the one who died for them. What kind of love is this? So, so amazing that God would love us like this. Let me first pray for all of us at all of our campuses that have already named Jesus as their Savior. Father, I pray that as we, each and every one of us that name your name, that have been rescued by a Savior, as we desire to walk with you, help us to walk in humility to trust your word and obey it. To realize that you do only and speak only for our good. Thank you for the privilege of hearing your voice. Thank you for, that you gave us your word supernaturally as the primary pillar, the foundational pillar of hearing the voice of God Almighty. I pray that we would submit to it and humble ourselves. 
under the mighty hand of God that you may exalt us as the scripture said in due time help us to understand that when we submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God we cannot do that absent submitting to the mighty words of God for you and your word are one so I pray freedom over your people I pray that your goodness leads us to turn toward you in every realm of life because you are good and your mercy endures forever and with every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campuses in a moment I'm going to ask you to make a decision you see every human being has tasted sin no, no, one, no one has skipped that and there's only one of two ways that you will die you will die in your sin or having been redeemed from your sin those are the only two options if you die in your sin trying to if you will deal with it or mitigate it yourself through whatever religion good behavior uh, I go to church I was baptized oh that's wonderful but none of that will make you a Christian or maybe you think uh, I'm just too far for God that's a lie too because Jesus came so you don't have to die in your sin and he said I didn't come to condemn you but to give you freedom in life so you get the decision to die in your sin own it yourself pay for it yourself and deal with the punishment yourself or to receive the punishment God met out on himself in your place and then rose from the dead and gives you eternal life freely by simply receiving Christ into your life and living for him it's that simple it wasn't simple for God but it's freedom for you and me so with every head bowed and eye closed at all of our campus now if you're online I'm going to ask you to respond by simply going into the comments typing in I'm praying with Pastor John and someone will will get something to you to help you take a next step in a moment I'm going to ask you if you desire to receive Christ into your life if you're not sure you've ever done that or you're certain you've never done that but you believe he's the son of God you want to receive him into your heart I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer with me we'll do it at all of our campuses and I'll ask you to simply acknowledge it in a moment through an uplifted hand in all of our campuses I'm going to ask you to do it your campus pastors are there you're not going to be singled out no one's going to call your name no one's coming after you this is between you and God and then we will all pray the prayer out loud and together with you and Jesus will come into your heart and he will never leave you or forsake you but now you get to choose what you do with the goodness of God so right now God the Holy Spirit Jesus said is pulling on your heart saying come to the Father oh how he loves you so with every head bowed and every eye closed at all of our campuses if you've never invited Christ into your heart or you're not sure that you have and you desire to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life with every head bowed and every eye closed would you just right now where you're seated lift your hand high where I can see it do it right now and I'm going to pray for you do it right now thank you thank you thank you thank you young man thank you thank you sir young man thank you man thank you heads are bowed eyes are closed one last moment you can see no one's being singled out at all of the campuses every head is bowed every eyes closed say please include me as well in that prayer would you right now at all of our campuses just simply raise your hand if you want to be included in that prayer and you've not yet done it do it right now do it right now do it right now thank you you can put your hands back down listen whether you lifted your hand or should have if you desire to receive Christ in your heart pray this out loud we'll pray it together with you it's not some dead religious prayer the living son of God will come into your life and make you brand new Pray this out loud where you hear it. We're all going to pray it with you, including those of you online. Pray it where you hear it. Say it out loud where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father. Now say it where you hear it. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. 
He died on a cross to bear my sin debt. I open the door of my heart, the door of my life. And Jesus, I invite you in. I receive you now to be my Savior and Lord. Thank you for coming. I am now a child of God. I will walk with you. I will serve you. Show me your great love. When I die, I am heaven bound because Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Amen. Come on, give them a hand, would you? Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.